As always, I love getting to open the word together. And last week, Eric kicked off our series with a message on hope. And each of the four Sundays of Advent, it's rooted in what is available to us through Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. So today is all about joy, which reminds me, we are doing this thing called a joy bomb, and there's a picture of the card that's going to pop up. And then at the beginning of service, Eric actually came and told me about a recent story from Ray and Debbie Head, where I think you guys got a group together and delivered 10 joy bombs, and they like, they like did it all. I think there was caroling, there was dressing up. Um, what you guys can do is simply any gift that you know is going to bring someone joy, you attach it with this card, and it's just our way of trying to spread joy in our community. And at the same time, if you use this card, it's inviting people to join us for Coco on the Patio and also for our Christmas Eve services. We're going to be in 1 Peter 1 this morning, so if you'd like to start turning there, please do so. Now, one of the things I do in sermon prep is I look up quotes, and it could be a quote that maybe gives insight, it's relevant, and sometimes you will stumble upon a quote and you're like, this is gold. And then other times you read the quote and you're like, this is the problem. <laughs> like, this is the issue. So I'm looking up quotes on joy this week, and I came across one by Sandra Bullock. Now, I love Sandra Bullock. And I don't know what it is about my sermons lately. They're all like this weird window in to every teenage crush I ever had. <laughs> but I love her, but I stumbled upon a quote that she said about joy. Listen to this. Go find your joy. Whatever that is, go find your joy. Are you going to have a good day or are you going to have a great day? Because it is completely up to you. I heard that. I agree with that. It's like, huh, what nonsense. <laughs> Come on, Sandra. It's all about you. Joy depends on you. But this thinking is everywhere, right? Like it's in social media, it's on advice blogs, and it's even in the church that joy is subjective, that joy depends on you. And it's just not true. And it leaves us feeling perhaps a little discouraged, unsettled, maybe even guilty if we feel like we're not experiencing it. But before I am too harsh towards Sandra, we are on a first name basis, obviously, I do want to elevate something that she gets right. Joy is available. It is available. We can have joy because it is available in Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. So we're going to pick up at verse 3 in 1 Peter 1. This is right after he has introduced himself as the author and has extended greeting. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy is available, and it is available in Christ. So Peter is writing here around AD 60 to Jews and to Gentiles scattered across the known world, and it matches exactly what the angels had proclaimed 60 years earlier in Luke 2.10, right? Do not be afraid, for we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And I really, really like John Piper's description of joy. It is that good feeling in the soul. It's like deep inner world stuff. It is good, but it's not happiness. Our culture is always saying lasting joy is up to you, but the longer that I live and do ministry, I am more and more convinced that lasting joy is only available in Christ, in Emmanuel. And I've, I've noticed something, kind of like a pattern of sorts, where I've seen so many Christ followers who go through really, really difficult things with a lot of joy. And it's amazing. But then I also see a lot of Christ followers who are living pretty normal, stable, comfortable lives, and they have no joy. And that's really disarming. And I don't pretend to know all the reasons why. I think maybe one of the reasons is simply in difficulty as you're just forced to depend on the Spirit that he gives you joy. Like it is a fruit of the Spirit. Or maybe it's because obedience often brings joy. And if we are very comfortable Christians, we're probably not actually stepping into the fullness of obedience. So maybe that's why we're not having joy. But I believe that there's something here for you this morning, if that's you, right? Where you know that God is good and life has been good, but you just don't have joy. Peter describes that joy is available because of Jesus, who is God with us. Verse 4, we have an inheritance that can't be taken away. And so inheritance is this recurring theme in scripture, and it's a gift. An inheritance is something that we don't deserve, right? So I remember when I was a sophomore in college, my grandfather, which was my mom's dad, he passed away suddenly. And I remember it like it was yesterday because I was actually in China on a college choir tour sitting on the top floor of a McDonald's. That McDonald's was real fancy. <laughs> but I get a phone call from my mom, and she had to deliver that news that my grandpa had passed. But then, and I think it was a surprise to the whole family, not only did he leave an inheritance for his four daughters, 
But he left an inheritance for all of us grandkids. And it was enough to help me set up my very first apartment. I did not do anything to deserve that. I did not earn it because it was simply a gift. Verse 5, this inheritance is salvation. And in it, verse 6, we can rejoice. We can have joy. So Eagle Church, is that us? Are we having joy because of our inheritance? The word mercy, which if you see it's in verse 3, I think that that is crucial to having joy. Because remember, grace and mercy are not the same thing. Grace is being given something good that you do not deserve, but mercy is having something that you rightfully deserve withheld from you, a consequence, a punishment. Our culture, again, is saying lasting joy, it's up to you, and it says that because it thinks that we all are inherently good. But here, like, this is teaching us that we are inherently sinful. That's why joy that is tied to mercy, it like creates this whole new framework and experience for experiencing joy. Because I deserve that, but instead I get this. Right? No wonder joy is available in Christ. I can think back so clearly to a uh, significant shift that I went through back in high school. I was a junior, and even though I had grown up in the church, um, it was junior year when God really got a hold of my life. And so I'm starting to surrender things over to him, confessing sin, you know, doing business. And my friends at school, people who did not know Jesus, they noticed the change. And they maybe didn't have the right words to describe it. But what they would describe was joy. Like all of a sudden, I had a lot more joy. I think there are people here this morning, whether it's watching online or in person, who do not yet know the joy of salvation. And salvation simply means rescue to be rescued from what we rightfully deserve, an eternity separated from the Lord in hell, paying the price for our sin. And if that is you this morning, I want you to know that today is the day of salvation. That Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that, that gift, that inheritance that Peter is talking about, it can be ours through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So before moving on, we're going to actually take time to just lead through a short prayer for anyone who would like to express faith today. I like how Pastor J.D. Greer says it. It's not the prayer that saves. It's the repentance and faith behind the prayer that lays hold of salvation.
So faith, putting our trust in Jesus, and then that repentance, which is the 180 degree turn from our sin. So if you would, just shut your eyes. And if you're here this morning and you already know Jesus, praise God, that is awesome. And you can just be praying for receptive hearts. But then if you're here and you know that Jesus has been trying to get your attention, you know that you have been looking for joy in all of the wrong places, you know that you cannot possibly pay for your sin yourself. If that's you, simply pray this with me. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and that there is nothing I can do to save myself. I choose to trust in Christ alone who bore my sin when he died on the cross. I believe he did what's necessary for me to have relationship with you. So thank you that Jesus rose from the dead And as best as I can, I place my trust in him. I take you at your word. And I thank you that I can face death knowing you are my savior. So thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If that is your prayer this morning, maybe for the first time, or even for the third, fourth, or fifth time, we would so love to hear about that. And I'll tell you at the end how we can do so. But joy is available in Christ. So that's like first step, bottom line. If verses three through five are for everyone, verses six through seven are for the church. So read this with me starting at verse six. In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Joy is available in Christ. Joy is available no matter what. So the trials that Peter is talking about here is persecution. The church is growing and Rome is not loving it. But the empire-wide persecution of Christians doesn't really begin until the third century. So this persecution was more tied to when Emperor Nero blamed the Christians for the fire that destroyed two-thirds of Rome. And the persecution looked a little more mob-led and sporadic. And so it could be anything from economic pressure all the way up until death. And if it was death, it could often look like being torn apart by dogs or being set alight like a human torch. So if you think of trials and suffering in that context, it is incredible that Peter is saying, you can have joy. Don't worry, it is temporary. We've talked a lot about suffering this year. We have the shared experience of COVID, and then so many of us have walked through really devastating trials. 
But even those things, that's not actually what Peter is describing here. Yes, joy is available no matter what, but what he's talking about is what's unique to joy in persecution. Joy in persecution sees the purpose clearly. Verse 7, the praise and glory and honor of Jesus. Gold perishes, but faith that passes the test, that lasts. That's why James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because we know that with that comes perseverance. Isn't it amazing when someone has joy in the middle of suffering? Like, wasn't it amazing to see the Coley family's joy this year? Wasn't it amazing to see how Norma Jean faced death? Joy in suffering powerfully points to Jesus, and joy in persecution uniquely does the same. It is the joy that perhaps most clearly makes Jesus famous. Discussions about persecution have come up a lot more than normal this year. Because 2020 threw a bunch of things at us all at once. And I'm not here to tell you if and when persecution is coming. I am going to go out on a limb and say that globally speaking, that what the American church has faced in 2020 is not persecution. But I think we can do some introspecting and kind of broaden it a little bit. So broadly speaking, has the way the family of God responded to 2020 this year been encouraging about how we will respond if persecution comes? Have we been a joy-filled people this year? Have I been a joy-filled person? Peter is saying joy is available no matter what. And if we're short on joy, it's time to go back to verses like 3 through 5 and just soak in it, be reminded of it, that we have an inheritance that is not imperishable or undefiled or unfading. But if we're not experiencing it, it is because we either do not know him at all or we know him but have forgotten about that inheritance. We have made it about ourselves, so we can't even get excited about what it says in verses 6 and 7 because we're not really all that interested in what's going to bring glory and fame and honor to Jesus. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy is available in Christ. Joy is available no matter what. And joy is available as we anticipate. I'm so grateful that verses 8 and 9 are there 
Because Peter is just saying it how it is. I'm not really a big fan of Christian cheesiness. It's why I don't really like Caleb, which (laughs) I threw that in there. I was like, I'm going to make a bunch of people mad. Gets an email. (laughs) But no, I just like that he's keeping it real by saying, you do not see him. We are not the wise men or the shepherds or the the disciples, if I can get it out, disciples or apostles. We are not those guys. We cannot see him, but we can believe in him. We can have his spirit in us as a manifestation of God with us. We can love him. Peter knows the power of anticipation, and many studies demonstrate the same. Anticipating something is a powerful, positive emotion. People actually have more intense feelings towards positive future events than they do of positive, fond past events. In the journal Euro, a study showed that when pathological gamblers anticipated a positive future experience, they were better able to curb their impulses and choose long-term gratification over short-term. It's the power of anticipation. Joy is available as we anticipate what is to come. The power of joy depends on the significance of what we are anticipating. The power of joy depends on the significance of what we're anticipating. We often try to find joy by looking forward to things. I certainly do. I'm looking forward to that summer vacation. Maybe for you, you're looking forward to a new job, starting a family, hanging with friends at Christmas. But when we do that, we're forced to always be looking for the next thing. We always have to figure out what's that next thing I'm looking forward to. But Peter is telling the church, you can anticipate an inheritance of salvation. The best is always yet to come. Like we live in a constant state of anticipation. So if we're in that mindset of 2020, like throughout all of our plans, well, that's okay because we know what we're anticipating in the future. When it's just like, man, today sucked. It's like, well, that can be okay though because my joy is not rooted in today. It is rooted in eternity. Or we fall into like, well, I just, I didn't see that one coming. Well, that's okay because Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, did see it coming and it does not take him by surprise. Well, there was once a Russian countess who accepted the Lord Jesus as her savior And instead of keeping it quiet, she decided to open up about her testimony. This was back in the time of the czars. The czar was displeased and threw her into prison. After 24 hours with the lowest level of Russian society, in the most miserable conditions imaginable, he ordered her brought into his presence. He smiled twistedly and said, well... Are you ready to now renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? To his surprise, the countess smiled serenely and said, I have known more joy and more real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus 
than I have known in a lifetime in the courts of the czar. That is the joy of God with us. So worship team, you guys can start to make your way back up. If you prayed earlier, we would so love to hear about that. And you have a couple of options. We normally have elders who, um, these prayer benches that are in front on the sides, we have elders, they would love to speak with you after the service. Because the best thing you can do if you express faith in Jesus in any way is to tell someone, to celebrate it. So they can talk with you. I would love to talk with you. Or if you want to email us at grow at eaglechurch.com, we can do the same via email. Celebrate with you, get excited with you, and then help you get started on your journey as a disciple of Jesus. But at the start of this message, I brought up two things. I brought up joy bombs, and I brought up a quote by Sandra Bullock. Joy bombs, again, is the joy that we're actually talking about this morning tied to giving or receiving a joy bomb? Of course not. Are you uncomfortable with the idea of bombing people? Maybe. But we really would invite you and encourage you to join in with us, spreading joy in our community, especially to people who do not know Jesus. And I started with a quote that I think gets it completely wrong. So I want to close with one that gets it right. There's a guy named S.D. Gordon. He was living and writing about 100 years ago. He's an author and a thinker. And this is what he had to say about joy. Joy is distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. Joy has its springs deep down inside. And that spring never runs dry no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within even under the shadow of the cross. So Lord God, thank you for Emmanuel. Thank you that Jesus, who was born as the, the Christ child, grew up and died as a man for us. And that because of that, we can have joy that is inexpressible. So Lord, we are a grateful people and a humble people. Make us a joy-filled people. Lord, help the reality that joy is available be ours. And then, Lord, let it move out from this place, from this building to, to our homes, to our communities and neighborhoods that we might be able to offer the light and life and joy of Christ. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.